All right, as promised, we got a great episode coming up here today. We had said we wanted to bring in an outside perspective on the draft class for the New York Football Giants. We have Walter Cherapinski from WalterFootball.com. You've heard us reference the website before. They do an absolutely excellent job scouting players coming out of college, kind of getting them into those rankings. We know where all these big boards can sit, but it's really just a good discussion around did the Giants, did Joe Shane reach a little bit too high on some of these prospects? Would Walter have gone in a different direction in the second and third rounds? And ultimately, even if the value was a little bit off, did Big Blue still do an effective job filling needs and in the big picture, getting guys that can be contributors on this roster? All right. As promised, we got a great episode coming up here today. We had said we wanted to bring. I won't spend too much time at the top of the draft where I think it's pretty easy to hit home runs when you're in the top 10. We know what Thibodeau, we looked at the, the review that was over on WalterFootball.com. Everything but the uh, references to his brand and how important New York can be for marketing himself. I think everyone's excited about his upside as a player. You can touch on him if you want, but I was more intrigued around Evan Neal and this idea that obviously very talented prospect, but as we saw just across the stadium with the Jets and taking Mekhi Becton, big offensive linemen do inherently come with some level of risk around injuries. Yeah, you have Mekhi Becton, who's had trouble staying healthy. Uh, Trent Brown, Marcus Cannon, like these are all huge offensive linemen, uh, 340 plus pounds, uh, who've had trouble just being on the field. And you wonder if that's going to be the case with Evan Neal. Uh, if he's going to be healthy, he's going to be phenomenal for you guys. Uh, he's just a super talented uh, right tackle uh, for you. Um, but I just wonder if he's going to stay healthy. I still like the pick, though, because you have the upside there. Um, it was between him and Charles Cross at seven. Uh, and you know, I, I feel like you can't go wrong with either. Like they, they both have their downsides, uh, but they both have immense upsides. And you know, five years from now, if Evan Neal's a pro bowler, I'm not gonna be surprised. But again, if five five years from now, Evan Neal's like misses eight games every year, I'm not gonna be surprised either. Yeah, that's a bit of a coin flip. The Giants fans yeah. probably probably don't necessarily want to hear, but that's the reality of it. Just quickly on everyone's consensus was Houston is the team that opened up the board for a lot of teams in the top 10 by taking a Stingley out of LSU. Do, do you look at him in that particular as being, oh, I don't know if he was going to go there and it made it possible for a lot of teams, Giants included, to get two quality players or one quality player there in the three, four, and then all the way through 10, 11, 12. Like some names just started to fall because of a very specific decision from one team. Yeah, Houston changed the entire draft. Like we, we knew the two edge rushers are going one two. Uh, we didn't know if Stingley or um, you know someone else like uh, Iquanu is going to go number three. Like those are the two guys they're talking about number three. Uh, maybe Evan Neal as well. Uh, but those are the two guys who we're hearing. So actually, like Charlie and I, we decided, hey, like one of us. We didn't know what Houston was going to do. So like we're thinking, like okay, one of us is going to take Stingley at three. One of us is going to have uh, Iquanu at three, and one of us is going to look great, and the other one's going to look like uh, kind of. Uh, above average maybe so uh so that that's uh charlie came out with uh, the first 11 picks correct uh because he had stingley and then and then and then he knew a lot of information uh if stingley was going to be there at five the giants are going to take stingley uh they, they really wanted a cornerback really? I, I think i think they knew that gardner wasn't going to be there at four uh charlie also had a report that the jets were going to take gardner no matter what at four um but the giants really wanted a cornerback uh they wanted either gardner or stingley uh both were off the board and then their third option there was was Thibodeau so um you, you know I even though Thibodeau was the third option I still think it was a great pick though yeah this is that part where uh, to the point of someone's going to be right or wrong Andy had 
Thibodeau and Neil, those are the guys that I want. Now, I had said, I don't think that Sauce Gardner is going to be there, but that's the guy that you want to get. You know, from a Giants perspective, uh, I think to your point, cornerback was the absolute first thing that they wanted to accomplish, and we know that now having released James Bradbury, there's clearly uncertainty in that secondary there, but it doesn't mean you still don't end up with quality players. So we'll see how that ends up fleshing itself out. Obviously, when you're a bad team like the Giants, 4-13 and last year, there's always plenty of needs to fill. Um, The top of the second here, just before we dive in, the two trade downs, it looked like we'll, we'll talk about the players later. The trade downs were good, at least initially, getting those two extra picks. And then we'll talk, you know, whether or not they did the right thing. They got those bonus within fifth rounders, specifically with Wandell Robinson. Um, at the time that they took him, it came out with a grade of B over on uh, Walter Football there. I was not as high on a guy that a lot of people were talking about in Sky Moore. Andy was big on Sky Moore. And when the pick came up there, I wasn't sure. I had talked about Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati as being a guy that I thought the Giants could use as a replacement for Kenny Galladay down the line here. The second that Wandell Robinson gets picked, though, I think he was 80, 85 on ESPN's big board. Everyone starts to say way too soon, way too early. I look at it as a both and. You traded back, picked up multiple draft picks, and then to me, got a guy who just by the measurables, by a lot of the scouting reports, I looked at him as favorably as Sky Moore to say at the very least there. And it just seemed like maybe his name didn't have as much traction at that point. What did you see in him that made this still a quality pick, arguably 40 selections higher? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they had him in the 80s. Um, we had Wandale Robinson in the first round in a couple of updates, uh, I think, like back in February. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like this value. I actually think it's like a, it's, it's probably where it may be a little bit um, – later than it should have been like i think like wandale robinson could have gone in the 30s um so i i like the value uh the need though is you, you kind of have to wonder like what's going to happen to you know Kadarius tony obviously you mentioned galladay uh the, the giants have questions at, at receiver uh but they have talent and like so if you know if tony can stay you know clean off the field and healthy and if galladay can bounce back um you kind of have to wonder like it, maybe the Giants should have gone in it with a different position, but I, I like Robinson as a player. He's an amazing route runner. Uh, he's quick. He's small. He's, he's kind of like Tony, just smaller, um, a bit slower, but he's a much better route runner than Tony. Do you think that then uh, quickly on Robinson? Cause we said this too, it's, you know, uh, Tony is a joystick, right? Tight quarter spacing, really make a lot of shiftiness North and South left and right. Whereas Robinson seems to be get the ball in his hands and what he does upfield is going to be high impact can he can he be a number one wide receiver if another couple of years from now the Giants aren't talking about a new contract for Kadarius Tony the draft pick from the previous regime I think he has the potential to be there um you know I, I think he's probably gonna be number two in the NFL but I, I think with with his great route running and you know his uh he, he's very quick as you said like he can make things happen once he gets the ball in his hands if he turns out to be number one receiver, I, I'm not going to be shocked. Like I said, we had him in the bottom of the first round at times. So I, I think that's kind of the range where you're kind of hoping that you, you get a guy who's going to be a number one receiver. All right. So then we turn our attention to, I think where things start to get interesting. Let's put it that way. I don't know if this felt like a draft class, unlike other years where teams were operating even more heavily off of their own boards, as opposed to the overall big board. And I, I mentioned this because Cole Strange, he goes to the Patriots. That seems shocking, right? There's the clip out there from the Rams saying, we thought we were getting him at 100 and something. He goes in the first round. Now, by and large, the consensus was a little early to be taking a player like that. But the Giants kind of end up in this same uh, position here with at 67. And I'm going to add both North Carolina tackles here. Uh, Azudu, obviously, and then also McKathan comes a little bit later. Now, Azudu, 
gets kind of beaten up here on this prospect grade. This is one of the spots that Joe Shane went to in person and it feels a little bit like they also took another undrafted free agent out of LSU to go with Flot. We'll get to in a second that I was there. I saw these guys with my own eyes and maybe there's a little extra bonus value of bringing in two players that have experience with each other from the collegiate level. Um, why is, is Azudu purely where they took him that gets such a bad grade as opposed to the potential? And you can even, how much of that factors in? If I think that player X can be a eventual starter in the league, will the grade still look lower if you take him a round and a half too soon? Yeah, so I, I've had this debate with um, like Cowboy fans, with Travis Frederick. Uh, when the Cowboys took him in the first round, um, I, I think everyone said that was a reach. Um, e even like, like the Cowboy homers uh, in the preseason games, uh, they, they were like quick to respond uh, to, to, to the detractors of the pick. Uh, just because uh, I guess they heard it from Jerry Jones and they wanted to defend them. And Travis Frederick turned out to be a Pro Bowl center until he had his injury issues. Um, but at the same time, you're like, okay, maybe we can get Frederick in the second round. It's kind of like with the Patriots, it's Cole Strange. Uh, Cole Strange could become a Pro Bowl guard, um, but you know maybe they could have gotten him in the second round and someone else in the first round. It's kind of how I feel about Azudu. Like, yeah, I mean, they took him in the third round, and Azudu could end up being a good player. He's a, he's a good athlete, I think. Uh, he, you know, he played tackle and guard. Yeah, I think he's going to play guard in the NFL. Um, he could be a good guard, uh, but I wonder if the Giants could have taken him at 112 or 114. It's kind of we had him in the fourth, fifth round range uh, to take him to the third. I thought that there was a reach. And I feel like, you know, given what was what else is there, I think they should have gone in a different direction. Like I mentioned the quarterbacks in my grade. Uh, both Malik Willis and Matt Corral were there and, and they, and they, they dropped for a reason for sure. They could, they could end up being nothing. And, and the, I think the giants, um, you know, if Daniel Jones doesn't have a good season, uh, I think they'll want to take one of the quarterbacks in the 2023 class. But I think at some point you have to take a shot in these quarterbacks. And just because you draft one of them doesn't mean you can't take uh, you know, Stroud or, or Young in 2023. You look at the Cardinals, even they drafted Josh Rosen in the first round, and then they took Kyler Murray the, the next year at number one overall. Like you can do it. And I think with the quarterbacks, you know, what you with what you have with Daniel Jones, I, I think you had to have some competition. You know, you don't have like a young quarterback who's going to challenge him uh, for the future. So I, I think I would have gone with one of the quarterbacks instead of Azuda at 67. So that's uh, because we even talked about a little bit on the back end of, well, you're not going to take a quarterback in the first round or maybe even high in the second round. So many needs. But at some point, the value board and you go look at where a Malik Willis or where a Desmond Ritter was listed on a draft board relative to grade to quarterbacks coming out next year. And at some point you have to do the math of we could be catching a falling talent here. Um, specifically though, then at 67, because obviously the giants come back around, they go with Flotter, who we'll touch on. And I almost want to ask it now, because if you flipped those, uh, one of the players that I was, that I was high on that actually went to Cleveland right after was Martin Emerson. If I sat here and told you the Giants went with Emerson there, and I know that ended up getting a low C grade, but I, that looked like from what I was reading, it's based on what Cleveland currently has on their roster. If I said it was Emerson for the Giants at 67, and then maybe it is a Zudo at 81 because he's there and the value kind of falls to you, how would that have read for you? Because Flott, who they end up taking at 81, also looked like the kind of prospect, maybe more of a fifth-round guy by, by your standards, that the Giants just seemingly reached a little bit on as opposed to maybe getting plug-and-play value earlier in those two picks. Yeah, you're right. I, I, like, 
I, I like Emerson as a prospect. I think he's like in the third round range for sure. He could have gone in the second. I wouldn't have complained. Uh, the Cleveland grade uh, was what you said. Uh, the Browns have some dire needs at receiver and defensive line, and they're pretty stacked at corners. So I didn't think they needed to take Emerson. I thought that was kind of a luxury pick. Just don't really know where he fits in at this time. Um, but yeah, I, I think if the Giants took Emerson, consider, given that they wanted a corner at five uh, to get someone like Emerson at 67, and then if you take a Zudu at, at 81, uh, it's still a little bit early uh, for him, but I think that is is definitely better value there. Um, again, I, I think ideally you want to take him at 112. Um, and maybe it's like a coin flip if he's going to be there or not. And, and, you know, if the giants like him a lot, then I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to really fault them for taking him 81, uh, but 67, uh, to start the third round, I, I think that was a little too early for him. So we grouped together then these next two players, because one of the extra picks they got from the trade down at 114, obviously at 81, they go with Cordell Flott out of LSU, the cornerback. And then they add Dane Belton as well. Uh, the Hawkeye out of Iowa who, you know, Theoretically, both of these players have versatility, um, but this is the kind of the tie into that question around the scouting department. This is where it felt like, did the Giants have all the capabilities to scout as many players and develop as solid a board as they maybe wanted to? Now, you can make the case that they liked these players and they went with them, but when I look at these grades, now you're talking about one, two, three, four picks in a row where you say four picks in a row that arguably could have been a half around too early on every single one of them. If you like them enough, it's worth it. Do you see Flott and Belton as being guys? Let's, let's go the other way with regardless of where they were taken, that they can be contributors for this team in a consistent, you know, starting borderline starting role. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's definitely potential there. Um, I, I like Flott's uh, versatility. He can play in the slot. He can play safety. Uh, I, I worry about his, you know, size, not height, but, but weight. I don't know if he's going to hold up in the NFL. He's pretty thin. He could get beat up. Uh, I, I wonder just if he's going to spend a lot of time on the injury report. Um, so I had him in the fifth round. Uh, so if you, if you took Flott where Belton was taken, I think I would have liked that a lot more. Um, and with Belton, he's a great athlete. I, I love his upside, but like his instincts for a safety are pretty poor, I feel like. So um, I, I, th I think he was probably in the sixth, seventh round range. So if you took him at uh, like 173, I, I thought that would have been better. It, there is just some horrible, um, I think, value for safeties in, on, on day three. You saw a lot of teams reach for safeties just because there wasn't anything there. Uh, so if the Giants really wanted a safety, like I, I, I understand why they made the grade, made the pick. I mean, uh, like a C plus grade is fine. I feel like, um, but I think they reached a little bit, but a lot of teams reached. It kind of reminds me of fantasy football. Like when the tight end run starts and like people start taking like tight ends, like four rounds too early. It's like, oh, I needed a tight end, but and it's like, you could have waited for that guy, you know? So I feel like the Giants could have waited for Belton or someone, uh, who was like pretty comparable to him. Yeah, we had names out there like and this is what Andy always said when you're talking about the top of the draft class and a safety is up there high and you go, good Lord, whatever you do, please don't overdraft this value that, you know, in four years, fifth year option, you're taught you're still though, you're never going to get the return on the investment at safety position. I think I want to say Leon Jr. out of Texas A&M was a guy where I just thought, yeah, later round name, take a look at one of these players. Andy had someone out of Michigan State, if I recall, but but all of the to all those points is especially in the Giants system under Wink Martindale, we assume there's going to be a lot of single high safety. You have Xavier McKinney. So at what point are you overlooking another area of need potentially to fill something you know you want to get on the field, but now both of these players, um, it's I have a level of excitement around their athleticism, but I also have three or four question marks, whether it is the size, the durability, the consistency of play. So 
those are ones that I think we're a little bit up in the air on. I'm lumping these last two guys together because, of course, they're at the linebacker spot. You can say whatever you want about McFadden. Um, I'm interested in him. I think he has a little bit of Blake Martinez-ish in him. But the Darian Beavers one is the one that I really love because of all these players that we had listed and talked about, Azudu was a guy I saw. And I think to your point, I thought more 112-ish, but I was excited when they drafted him as a prospect. Beavers was a guy that I thought, I I'd almost didn't realize that he was still on the board at 182. I look at him, especially for the Giants right now, as being a, he plugs in, he starts playing right now. He has a skill set that they can utilize. This feels like not just a steal for the Giants, but one of the bigger steals in the draft overall. Yeah, I feel the same way because uh, when I grade these picks, um, I just do it like right away. Like there's no break. Uh, I, I I don't even get up for like six hours. It's insane. <laughs> and so like th these names just come off the board to me and I, I'm not even looking at who's available. And when I hear 182, the Giants take Darian Beavers, I'm like, like, wait, like sixth round. I had him in the fourth round. Like th that's great value. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a great athlete. He's very physical uh, for linebacker. I, I love his upside. Uh, you know, if the Giants took him uh, at, at 112, I, I would have liked it. Um, and to get him at 182, I, I thought that was a, a huge steal uh, for sure. Um, so that, that was my favorite pick of the Giants uh, value-wise um, like throughout this draft. And, uh, on McFadden, because again, I, I compare him to Martinez just in that, yes, he has a skill set. I think he's downhill. He's a run stuffer. That works great for you. The thing that the Giants have lacked so much of in that linebacking core is sideline to sideline ability, which you can look at Darian Beavers and say, does he have that half a step less than what you want to be a full range linebacker? Maybe, but McFadden does feel slightly in the old mold of linebacker as opposed to maybe where you want guys to be. Um, on the roster overall, when you think about Thibodeau and having McFadden, adding in a guy like Beavers, and then you also have Aziz Ojolari from last year, does the complement inside of that linebacker group make you feel good about these players overall together as opposed to if you just isolate one by themselves? Yeah, it feels like they 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 got some players for specific situations. And I feel like that's, you know, with McFadden, he's he's kind of small. He's going to, I feel like he's going to get run over in the running game. So you want him just on passing downs, I think. You know, he's uh, he's athletic. It's, but it's <laughs> no, when, we, when we first looked at him, my thought was, sorry, Um, my thought was just like, you see the way he does go downhill and attack. I know he's a little bit undersized, but do you think so? He has enough upside value on passing downs, covering the tight ends potentially, because that's the thing that we feel like the Giants have lacked there, especially with a guy like Blake Martinez. Great against the run, but if you have to pick up someone out of the backfield or that tight end, boy, are you in a hard spot. Yeah, I, I think he has the potential to do that. Like he's he's a pretty athletic linebacker. And I, I think, yeah, I think there's definitely potential for that. Um, well, I mean, we'll see. I, I thought he was drafted a little too early. Like I I, I thought if you'd flipped McFadden and Beavers, like that would have made more sense to me. Uh, but you know, they ended up getting both anyway. Right. So, so I, I guess it doesn't really matter in the end, but uh, I think to your point where, you know, you're drafting players for situations. Uh, I, you know, I like that in the third, on the third day of the draft, I think that's what you're trying to do. You're either trying to get upside or you're trying to get like guys who, who are going to fill key roles. And I think that's what the giants did. So then overall, cause we heard a little bit of this on the national coverage around the draft that the giants, Joe Shane really setting a good foundation for what they're trying to do here. And it's not going to be a one-year process. This is going to be this draft class, this potential cut group that's going to come out around the league, next year's draft class, next year's free agency when they have uh, more money to work with. Did they do overall, did they do a good enough job here where you think 11 picks coming out of this draft, how many of them? I mean, obviously, you know the top two. We think Robinson's going to be good. But then when you get to that third round and you say, was this a little bit too high? 
How many guys out of this group here do you think are starters for this team? Because let's just disregard where the value was taken. But when you draft 11 players, you better be fielding five starters, right? Maybe a little bit more into the six as far as key contributors for this team. Did they do enough of that? Even if it's going to maybe be in the case of an Azudu or a McCaithin, guys that you're looking at down the road here a year. Yeah, they, they might have gotten five stars. I'm, I'm just looking at their their picks and trying to figure out like who because you're kind of hurt with Wandale Robinson because he's not going to be as I don't think he's going to start right away uh, just because the, the Giants are pretty stacked at the position or at least if you think so. We'll see what happens to Tony. Like he could end up being a starter. Uh, so there, I, I guess it really depends on what happens in training camp in the preseason because like Azuda could win a starting job like Flott could uh be a starter uh bellinger could be a starter at some point this year um you know like we'll, we'll see i like there, it's not a guarantee though like there, there could be as few as three starters in this group but there could be as many as like five or six um I, i'm just not confident in what the giants did overall value wise but you know they did get potential starters and it'll be interesting to see how they how all these rookies fare in training camp I mean, we did not need to say anything of Bellinger, who does feel like a guy. Let him come along here. You have two veteran tight ends ahead of him. A lot of that, to your point, training camp. Hey, if you win it, uh, they released James Bradbury. Now on the, on the earliest of depth charts, Flots listed starting on the outside. I don't know if that's a confidence boost or not, or, you know, or more of a concern for what they need to accomplish. Um, ultimately here, though, we'll see how it fleshes out for the Giants over the course of this offseason. Um, do you now, how quickly, do, as, a, as someone who's providing this depth chart of draft prospects. Do you get to enjoy the NFL season? You know, this, this part of the training camp, do you continue to look at these prospects and see how they evolve in the, with these teams? Or as we know, there's already some boards up there for people to look at for 23 and 24. Do you immediately turn the page over to, well, where's my next board? Who stacks (laughs) up where, which got, which team missed already knowing they're going to need to replace that player in 12 months. Well, I mean, why not both? I mean, we we could do we can <laughs> we can look at the 2023 draft class, which uh, Charlie and I do, and then you know um, we do everything in the NFL on on the site. Like we pick games against the spread, we have fantasy rankings. Like right last night, I was working on my fantasy rankings, uh, and you know, um, so so we do everything. So like I'm obviously gonna uh, monitor all these guys and see how they do in training camp. I, I watch every preseason game just to get kind of an edge on uh, handicapping the NFL. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll be interesting, interested to see and like how, how these rookies do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it. Um, I, I can't wait to, to watch football again. It's been, it's, it's felt like it's been a while, even though it's been three months. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it for right? sure. But you, <laughs> but you still feel like it gets longer and longer every year, right? Waiting for it to get back out there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny cause, uh, you know, this summer is, is going to be different because we have a newborn at home. So like, I'm going to be preoccupied, uh, with that. Um, but yeah, I mean the NFL season, I, I feel like always can't get enough. I always, always can't come quickly enough. Cause you know, I, I want to have some time off. Like we go to like a go on vacation for a week or two, but then like, as soon as I come back, I'm like, all right, like come on, have, have football games come back. So that that's how we feel. As Andy, who has uh, has his son a couple of years into two plus years into the process, he goes, they, the, the infants, the babies, they always understand when you have work to do when there's a game on Sunday. They totally they just settle down a nice little nap, let you get some enjoyment there uh, and stay uh, stay out of the way, so to speak. So you can really get back to the NFL season. Um, Once again, as we always say here on uh, OGP One Giant podcast at the end of the day. 
this may be the last time that we look back at what the Giants did well or successfully coming out of this draft class. Now it's the rookie minicamp and what they do over the course of training camp that will either confirm or deny some of the confidence or concerns we have around Joe Shane and his first draft class. Uh, Walter Cherapinski, obviously from WalterFootball.com, just doing fantastic work, man. Again, we appreciate you making a little bit of time for us. And hopefully, now that we know, maybe we'll have to dip our toe back in here and talk a little fantasy football along the way and see how many big names fall down that board a little bit with some of these young players out there. Um, appreciate it as always. And, and by the way, anywhere else that uh, people can get you, because you guys also have podcasts out there, right? You're doing, you, you're a multiple prong attack here. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're on YouTube, so you can just search Walter Football. Um, outside of WalterFootball.com, I'm on Twitter at Walter Football. So you know, any platform, just just type in Walter Football, and you might find me. I'm not on like TikTok or anything, but you you can probably find me on uh, you know Facebook, Twitter, etc. There's an age range for TikTok, and I don't know if I fully am still locked into that. We'll put all the links in the show notes. Again, thank you so much to Walter. WalterFootball.com. Go get it. Awesome stuff. And we will be back again soon, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.